Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the name of the podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello, Dr. J. Hello, how are you? Hmm, let me answer that question with a deep quaff of this glass of wine I have right here. Hold on. <laughs> I love the way that you've been drinking silently until you wanted to quaff. Well, I had to do the comedy slurp. <laughs> how are you? So I'm. I'm <laughs> stop. We've just been talking about how you are. <laughs> I know exactly how you are. There's no way for you to summarize it in a way that we can actually put on this podcast. So, could you make a nice lie for us? <laughs> I'm fine. You're fine. I'm having a lovely time. So I'm enjoying I. this lockdown. It is so relaxing. It is exactly what I needed for my life, was to be mm. shut in my house 24-7. Um, but what's much better, segue, is listening to this podcast here. And I noticed that neither of us have introduced ourselves so far. So I will ask Dr. J, uh, let me think, what should we be? What? No, when? No, why are you? I am simply the mechanism to take data from one place to another and compile it. But in doing so, my brain gets to filter through it and find the tiny, tiny needle in the fucking ginormous haystack. Also, I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change and I work at ThoughtWorks, who are a bespoke software consultancy. And they not only allowed me to write my own job title, they are really great at celebrating their staff who are outside of the normative, which is fantastic. I gave myself the gender, transgressive, non-binary gender queer, because New Zealand allows you to write a statutory declaration and use that to get whatever you like upon your passport. I'm a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because branding. <laughs> Was that not upbeat enough? Jazz hands. <laughs> I would never do jazz hands. All right. Sorry. My apologies. You're the sort of person who would do jazz hands. Am I now? No. What does that say about me? Anyway, my name is Josephine Baird. I am an independent scholar, activist, and artist. I like to make a spectacle of myself upon the stage and in films for your delectation and amusement, but I also like to draw pictures of queers and I put those upon the internet. And I like to think of myself as a with that portfolio because hashtag unemployment. So, Dr. Jane, what are we talking about this week? And things that will fascinate everybody who's not me. Uh, of course, I got a washing machine, which is an amazing, amazing achievement for me because I managed to have a broken washing machine and get somebody to bring me a new one and plumb it in and do all of those things. That's called adulting, I believe. But the interesting thing was the two lovely people who came to install my washing machine constantly wanted to call me an honorific or they wanted to call me a word where they didn't know anything about my name or anything like that they see my name but they can hardly wander up and call me hey jay or they don't believe that they can so they have to in the uk use either sir or madam so they're stuck looking at me going madam and then when i don't react they're like great we found the right one so I was madam for about 45 minutes while they sorted stuff out every time they wanted to talk to me, which I find very weird because, A, I'm wearing a goth band t-shirt, a pair of basketball shorts, and I have bright blue hair, the least madam looking person possible. But it's also, one of my work colleagues was like, why didn't you correct them and tell them off? And I'm like, why would I? These are people who are told that they have to use an honorific. 
they're told that they can't just wander up and call out my name because they've only got it on a piece of paper. And in the UK, it's generally not done for somebody in a service position to call somebody else by their name. And they're stuck with a choice of two. Whichever one they used, I would have said yes to. I'm not picky because I recognize that if they don't use it, they will be told off. So they can't do like in New Zealand, hey, mate, or hey, how's it going? Or sorry to disturb you. I've got to do this. They've got to just use the honorific to attract my attention. So I was madam for 45 minutes. We talked a bit about this before. What signals would they have had to interpret in order to call you something else? I mean, obviously, as you say, there's only two options in their particular vernacular. And because they've been instructed to do this and because you're in the awkward situation of not wanting to make their situation worse, but at the same time wanting to (laughs) be recognized for who you are rather than, I mean, you know, you would have gone with Jay. I would have gone with Jay. I would have gone, hey, doc. As in what's up? Yeah. Excellent. Of course. It's one of the reasons for having a doctor in front of your name. You can be, hey, doc or doctor. I'm, I'm tragically without doctor at the moment. Yes, you will eventually get there. I'll get there in the end. In the meantime, my honorific, just so you know, is madam, or more specifically, if you're going to be a bit more correct, it's filthy little, and then (laughs) madam. But see, part of my thing is accepting that there are times where my non-binariness is rubbing up against somebody else's need to do their job. And when do I draw the line? You know, how much disruption do I cause to somebody who is literally just trying to put in a washing machine. The last thing they needed and I needed was a lecture on gender. It's more than that, isn't it? Because there's a class differential there. I mean, even though you wouldn't necessarily say that you come from a middle-class background, because you don't, but given that they're coming into your home in England, which has a particular culture for, (sighs) well, class, shall we put it? This is almost a discussion on class. I think we started off saying it was about honorifics, but I Mm. think it's much more about class. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're talking about notion of class and there's a differential there. Even if you wouldn't necessarily see yourself that way per se, you are, however, aware of the fact that the people who are coming into your home do see it that way and have been instructed to see it that way by the people that they're employed by. So their job is somewhat contingent upon them reinscribing the class norm, which is calling you an honorific. And the two that they have options for are sir and madam, and they have to use one of them. And that causes a certain amount of discomfort for both parties involved, I've no doubt. And you're not wanting to increase that problem for them, given that you know what the power differential is between the two of you. And you also want them to feel that they can just get on with the thing that they're there to do without having to engage in this bizarre class practice, this drama that you're now involved with, <laughs> that you're going to have to perform class with them, which is not something that you necessarily wanted to do. It almost comes down to And this is going to sound like the weirdest definition of class, but class, I believe, in the UK today is about whether or not you have to wear a uniform, a branded polo shirt to do your job, because your employer has set up a certain set of expectations. It's understanding it from a service delivery point of like, we want this to be a consistently good experience for our customers. We want to be known for our high quality service. So our people will turn up in a clean shirt that's branded, that very clearly states that they work for us and all of that stuff. But what it also means is they've standardized and restricted some of the language choices. And you get that if you go and buy a coffee and you listen to what people behind the counter say to every person, they say the same lines to every person. 
until they know that person well enough to exchange a slightly different greeting. But if they go off script when the supervisor's there, that's a problem for them because they get told off for going off script. The British <laughs> example is particularly vile and good as in bad example of <laughs> this particular notion. Sweden's interesting because that honorific no longer really exists, except now here's the interesting thing. When I moved here, the honorific had been discarded partly because there'd been a huge movement to discard those notions of class difference specifically. So the equivalents of sir and madam are not used in Swedish. And the Swedish language does have, in a very similar way to German, a formalized and informal you. In German, if you're speaking to somebody formally, you would say Z, as in you. And if you're speaking to somebody informally, you'd say do, as in you. In Swedish, you have the same distinction, except for it's very, very rarely used. Except I noticed about a year or two ago that it started to get used again, specifically in certain service industries, in certain stores. And there was this move towards people in stores wearing more formal clothing and stuff like that. And I know this was causing something of a cultural backlash, specifically from older Swedish people who had been part of that initial cultural movement away from those honorifics. So interestingly, the upshot of which is the gendered honorific isn't used here, not very often. But of course, there are certain things that are. The Swedish word for miss, which is fröken, that's used often to refer to a, a preschool teacher or even a primary school teacher. Fröken, miss, basically. And so, of course, that's incredibly gendered. And of course, the notion of Freck and Miss being younger woman also is age-related and, of course, class-related. So those things definitely exist in this culture. They're just obscured in certain weird ways. But the UK is a perfect example to bring up. Sweden does it too. They're just more subtle about it. There's a servant culture or a service culture within the UK between the working class and everyone else. And I speak only on that simply because I come from a working class background. New Zealand's got a very informal culture. The places that are formal tend to be the spaces where you're likely to be in trouble. I vaguely remember a lot of our teachers being called Miss, even when it was a man up the front. Miss, Miss, Miss. Really? Yes. <laughs> but that was when we were small kids. As you grew older, you kind of used Miss and Sir, even for the Misses teachers. But for most of it, honorifics just really don't exist. Coming from there to the UK, where I went from never being gendered or never being knowingly gendered, how's that never knowingly gendered, to suddenly being constantly gendered, was a real mindfuck. And then kicking against it and then recognizing that there was a class structure in there as well that was limiting people's choices as to how they could speak to me or was pushing them into having to gender me. But and what it, would be the gender-neutral honorific then for you? A friend has suggested captain as a brilliant one because it's wonderfully... Brigadier, sure. Brigadier. Field marshal. Yes. But I'm such a pacifist that those would feel really, really weird. How about weird. the reverend? But then that rubs up against people's faith. So Your honour. Your honour. <laughs> it's almost like, do you need an honorific? So I use lovely... Because one of my things was, what do I call somebody on the other side of these interactions? How do I attract people's attention? Which got me thinking about 
what would I say to somebody? And what is a gender neutral way of me attracting somebody's attention? What is a gender neutral way of me referring to somebody when I don't know their name? So I hit on the word lovely, not love, not darling, not dull or anything like that, but lovely. Hello, lovely. How are you going today? Hello, lovely. Could I possibly get this sorted? And one of the reasons for using lovely, Mm. A, it's a compliment. It's not a belittling word. Like when you call somebody love in British English, there would be a class differential, but also a slightly older person calling somebody else love. There's entire stratifications within that. So I can't call somebody love, but I can't call somebody darling. Uh, Fabulous is a bit too weird. So I stuck on lovely. I'm just trying to think of what context might that be misunderstood, but I don't think there is one. I wanted to avoid something that kind of had a sexist overtone because I have the privilege of being seen as slightly transmasculine. So that puts me into the man category often when I'm talking to a woman or a femme presenting non-binary person. So when I'm saying something to them or using an honorific, if I use something that's got a slightly sexist overtone, it does kind of reinforce that nature. So if I call somebody gorgeous, hello, gorgeous, there's that slight sleaze that can sneak through. And I'm quite determined not to have that. But I think it's really interesting that you're referencing not what you are, but what you come across as. And I think that's really interesting part of this, because I think there's that element of class, because honorifics by definition contain a notion of power relationship. There's also that notion of gender, because honorifics almost always contain also a notion of gender. So there's power, class, and gender. Yay. And the negotiation of all of those things in any given particular context can be really problematic. So you've presented one example of a person coming to you to deliver a washing machine. Are there circumstances in which someone would use that honorific with you where you would challenge them? Yes, but it would be about the tone and the intent of the voice. Right. So it's those people who overuse the madam because it's like, you might have these body parts. Well, I'm guessing you've got those body parts. I can't really see them, but you don't have much facial hair. So therefore you must be one of this. So I'm going to use this every single fucking sentence to reinforce that I am saying the right thing and I am reinforcing what I believe is your gender. And those are the people which I find really uncomfortable. The other place that I can think of that I had that experience regularly is in the U.S., So when I was visiting the U.S., from especially from Sweden, I had the same experience as going to the U.K. of suddenly getting people calling me ma'am. And it often is related against the showing of respect. Honorifics are a demonstration of respect, usually from people who are in stores or in places where you're eating, constantly getting called ma'am. And of course, the other thing that was often used there, depending on which part of the United States you're in, would be ladies. So, you know, especially if you went to a diner, which I love doing with my friends, and I'd be there with my trans masculine friends, my butch lesbian friends, my femme as femme can be friends. And somebody would rock up and go, so ladies, <laughs> you know, but yeah, being called a lady mm. in an American context is considered quite proper and appropriate. And again, even in the most informal environment, you're going to hear that an awful lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's a big movement there to have gender neutral language as well, but it is again, that sort of class and cultural thing that comes up. 
And at what point can we interrupt that narrative, especially if it's not our narrative? And especially if we're in a position of a certain amount of privilege, on the flip side of that, if someone gets it notoriously wrong, <laughs> at what point does one just say, okay, no, my needs in this particular circumstance circumvent the awkwardness that I might create? Of course, I mean, safety may also be an issue mm. there. That calculation becomes rather complicated and is based on a notion of specifically class and gender, but there'll be other factors as well. I think the notion of power in there as well. It's almost like, well, if I can't call you sir and I can't call you madam, what do I call you? And it's kind of like, okay, we almost need to start disrupting the scripts that people have. And that's not an easy thing to do. And that's the sort of thing that has to slowly change over time because it is something that you start to dismantle. You start to get people to pull it apart. And you talk to the people who write those scripts, who build those services and go, do you have to ask somebody's gender to use the system? Do you have to ask somebody's gender to sign up here? Do you need to use an honorific here? Or can you just say, have a nice day or thanks for shopping here or something? Oh, thank you. You know, the British seven thank yous to say, this is the end of the transaction. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I mean, Sweden is an interesting example in that regard. They have gone through that cultural shift on a national level. So some of those honorifics have disappeared. So it can be done. But of course, I think it takes a monumental shift, not just on the basis of gender, but especially on the basis of class and notions of power dynamics. And a change in a belief of what the word respect means. <laughs> I think, because respect is one of these things that are interlaced with the notion of honorifics. But I was flipping that because of the two people who came and put in my washing machine. They seemed quite unnerved by the fact that I was showing them respect and thanks for doing their job. And I'm like, the fuck? Of course I would. And I think that's part of a difference in that notion of respect. I have a lot of respect for people who can do things that I can't do. Well, maybe that's the problem. We call that a service, whereas I would call that expertise. So you're paying for expertise, someone who knows what they're doing, somebody who actually is doing something, as you said, you couldn't have done either by yourself or at all. So when I call someone in and say, oh my God, my computer's exploded and they fix it for me, I don't think of it as a service. I think of them as a savior and an <laughs> angelic being, someone who has the amazing intellectual capacity to parse what computers do. I can sometimes do it and ask me one day how I fix computers because I'm surprisingly good at it, but I have a very weird method that uh, makes no you sense. You turn it off and on again. 80% of the time, problems resolved. That's true, but I actually don't do that necessarily. Oh. The way I fix computers, the computer does this. Could you print this document, computer? No, I can't. Why is that? I just can't. There's an error. What error? There's 1,200 errors. There's one of them. Okay. All right. Let's go through this. Which error could it possibly be? Well, I don't know. Is it because you can't find the printer? I don't know. Should we turn it off and turn it on and find out? Yes. Okay. Did it help? No. <laughs> right, what about if I turn you and off? Do you need a break? Don't know. Should we try? Turn it off, turn it on, come back on. No, I still can't do it. Is it because there's no paper in it? Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> Could you have told me that before? No. <laughs> I know it's not about paper, but it's all sorts of stuff. But I mean, weirdly yeah. enough, it works. I know it's about training my brain and not theirs, but that's how I fix computers. Yes. Anyway, sorry, aside. I 
like the way that you talked about expertise because that's very much the way that I consider my father and my uncles who are all very working class. My dad was a boilermaker. He was a construction worker. My uncle is a roofer. My other uncle was a mechanic. A lot of my family are manual workers, are people who build stuff, who make stuff, who physically do stuff. They have jobs that are physically demanding, but they're not just physically demanding. There is problem solving. There is knowing how to do something inside and out. Well, there's always an expertise to it. I mean, that's mm. the thing. Like I've worked as a maid. I've worked as a PA. I've worked in all sorts of jobs that are often called low-skilled or no-skilled. And that's a huge misnomer. And I think the funny thing about the recent COVID pandemic has demonstrated that those people are the ones that are always considered absolutely crucial workers. Isn't that interesting that the so-called no or low-skill jobs are the ones that are absolutely critical? And so they have to be done. And I think one of the lessons we should be taking for this, and I don't think we are, is that those jobs need a great deal more respect for the expertise involved. If you're a maid, then you know how to iron and starch and clean really quickly and efficiently. You know how to change a bed in five seconds. These things are expertise. This is not just a service. If you happen to be a PA and you can type really fast, that takes a lot of practice. If you know how to juggle someone's calendar as a secretary, which I've also done, that also takes a great deal of work and effort. It's expertise and not service. And I think there is this presumption when we're using honorifics, especially, that we're somehow conveying respect in the wrong directions, almost always. I always find that really, really disconcerting. I'm trying to think of honorifics that I don't mind, that I don't have some kind of problem with. I was just trying to think of one. I mean, other than for kinky fun games, Obviously, all these concepts come up against these other ones because the notion of honorifics cannot be separated from the notion of class, race, notions of paradynamics, and the conception of the notion of what respect should be or could be. And that's why I was trying to practice this thought experiment of like, is there an honorific? Is there one that I can think of that doesn't contain some sort of problematic element to the point where I am uncomfortable using it? Is there any one? I can't, I'm trying to think of one. Is there one you can think of other than the ones we've created, lovely and darling and, and so forth? All the standard etiquette ones hmm. from ma'am rhymes, rhymes with ham, not ma'am rhymes with harm. Sir is just universal, but I mean, we could default to sir, but then you'd have so many women upset at being called sir. Well, it also defaults the notion of man as being yes. norm. You know, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, I don't think there is an honorific that exists that does not contain really problematic notions. Reverend. The only ones that I can think of are like official titles, like doctor occurs to me. It has connotations of education and class and certain things like that. Don't get me wrong. One of the things I used to talk to a lot with gender studies students at universities was one reason to get the word doctor in front of your name is because it didn't gender you. But of course it does. The notion of doctor, as much as it is probably one of the only genuinely neutral-ish words that I can think of as an honorific, it still contains notions of education and class, definitely in connotations of gender, even though that's not supposed to be there. It's probably the closest one I can think of. In England, there's a funny rule about that, in that you can take on that honorific. In fact, you can take on any honorific you want as long as you don't use it to defraud anyone. 
you can call yourself anything you like, in which case there is an opportunity for fun, frolics, and also deconstruction of notions there. But those honorifics are titles, and they're not the sir, madam honorifics, which is what people use when they don't know somebody's name. It's that, what do you use in the coffee shop? And I, I love the coffee shop because I miss my coffee. I miss my coffee shop. It's about what do you use within that service conversation, that retail conversation, where somebody is asking you what kind of coffee you want, wishing you a good morning and taking your payment. It's really, really difficult. But of course, we can say, if we're in that circumstance, we could try to avoid doing that. But on the other hand, you know, if you've got that kind of job, there's not much you can do about it. Mm. And that's the reality of the circumstance. Now, I'm all for trying to change that, which is why we have a podcast called, it is complicated where we talk about these kinds of things. But in the meantime, it's difficult and it can be very painful because being called the wrong thing over and over and over again, constantly in your day is just another burden that you have to deal with. We have social scripts. If you don't teach people the social script, then people don't know what to do. So just to swing things back slightly one of the things that I had to start doing when I started to work at ThoughtWorks and I've had to do it every workplace but ThoughtWorks were very receptive to it was teaching people how to ask somebody their pronouns because nobody knows how to do it until they're told you're taught as a small child how to ask somebody's name but we don't yet add on hello what's your name is what little kids say And they don't follow it up with which pronoun do you use or which pronoun do you prefer? They don't follow it up with that second question. So people don't learn that script. So people will introduce themselves and say their name, but not their pronoun. And people, when they meet somebody new, will ask their name and then don't know how to ask their pronoun if they're not told it. So I just taught thought workers to say, which pronoun do you prefer? And we've started teaching that and recognizing that it wasn't an ignorance of pronouns, and it wasn't an unwillingness to get my pronoun. It was literally being stumped by there is no social script for this. What do I do? How do I do this thing? And it's the same with the honorifics. People just get stumped because there is a social script that everyone follows, and suddenly you're standing outside of it. You've highlighted the truth of it. It is about a social script existing or not, specifically. And I think what is useful is to realize that those social scripts can change and rapidly. That's the funny thing is that I've noticed something very recently, again, since the pandemic, that one of the things that people sign off with now when they're ending conversation is, uh, see you soon, stay safe, stay safe. That's an expression that I'm hearing over and over and over again now. It's a social Mm. script. And I was realizing I hear it in all sorts of contexts. Stay safe. That's a couple weeks or a couple months old. Of course, it's a wonderful sentiment. Stay safe. The notion is we understand that the current situation is quite risky. We wish your health well. We're not going to bring it up specifically, but we're going to say this thing at the end of our conversation because we wish each other well. It's a social script that has changed in the matter of weeks. We are bringing new scripts in all the time. We're bringing in scripts about asking about pronouns. Despite all of its problems, English is particularly good at changing itself over time and quickly for that matter. And social scripts change with it. In fact, the social scripts change because of changes in language and vice versa. But 
even for myself, I'm thinking of when I went to school, I was taught that one starts one's letters with dear sir or madam at the beginning of every letter of every correspondence. And now every email that I read is starts with the letters H-E-Y, hey, often with an exclamation mark or a comma at the end. I find that really good because it helps. It means that I don't have to worry about going, dear sir or madam, yours, yours faithfully, ever your servant, Joseph in bed, what, what, pip, pip, good show. You're right. Hi, just wanted to email you to say this. Hope you're well. Stay safe. Josephine. <laughs> right. And the change just that email has brought is a massive change in social script. So I think these honorifics are not necessary. They can change and they can change quickly. So can I then start a change that we move from sir or madam to just lovely? Hello, lovely. Hello, lovely. How may I help you? Thank you for joining me today, lovely. Thank you for joining me today, lovelies. Well, maybe we can ask our listener if you think of any other honorifics that you can imagine that would be a good alternative. Please do let us know on our Twitter, twitter.com slash it is complicated. And there's no E at the end. This is complicated. <laughs> Have we come to the our natural I, conclusion? Either? I believe we've naturally concluded there, lovely. How oh, lovely, lovely. Oh God, that's going to get complicated. Lovely, isn't it a lovely day? It's a lovely, lovely day, lovely. It works so well. It does. If you've enjoyed this, lovely listener, please do go to our Patreon page and help us out and we can make many more fabulous things happen at patreon.com slash it is complicated, all one word. And until next time, lovely, what, uh, what do you fancy talking about next week? Something that's not lovely. Because oh, yeah. she will have tweeted again. She's got a book out, so she needs the publicity to show her shitty writing. I've noticed that. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Bye, lovelies. Bye, lovelies. Stay safe. <laughs>